everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Hey Fighting Podcast. I'm Cody Worsham, joined by Jacob Hester here in the South Stadium Studios. And of course, today we are powered by Marathon Petroleum. Marathon Petroleum, get the most out of your drive. I tested that before the show, Hester. How was that radio voice? I mean, I, I Did thought, I give Marathon their money's worth? I thought it was pretty good. I didn't think you'd go for it, so I can appreciate it. You know, sometimes I, I go for it, sometimes I don't. Um, today I decided to go for it. I've been out at practice all day, feeling aggressive, um, feeling the total preparation that Brian Kelly is trying to instill in his program. I think it's it's affecting me, and so I wanted to give it my all for Marathon Petroleum. In all yeah. seriousness, I am very appreciative of their support of the podcast, and I'm appreciative of you, of you listening or watching today on LSU Gold. If you are listening and not watching on LSU Gold, you could see how sweaty I am right now um, if you subscribe to LSU Gold, and you could see how uh, handsome Jacob Hester looks right next to me as well. Yeah, you um, smell like fall camp right now. I, I feel like fall camp. I smell yeah. like fall camp. I got my, uh, my Powerade here to... To hydrate me. That was a free plug for Powerade. They, they haven't uh, sponsored the show yet. Maybe we can go down that alley. I saw we got a new sign, though. We got a new sign. We Somebody's got the, the shiny Go Tiger sign. Matt, Matt Tornquist has done a phenomenal job uh, putting this studio together. It continues to evolve. Um, it, is a, it is a fine testament to, uh, to his work and their production, and we're the slappies that sit in front of the microphone and, uh, and act like we know what we're talking about. So let's, uh, let's do that for like 30 minutes now and just yeah, pretend, like, uh, pretend like we have some information that people want to hear. All seriousness, uh, a lot to talk about. Fall camp has officially started. We are underway. The 2022 uh, season is upon us. And I do have some practice observations from going out today. Um, small sample size warning to be sure, um, but just some things that stood out to me from today. There's some other things that I want to talk about first. And of course, we've got number 18 here. And the news came out this week that BJ Ojolari is wearing number 18 for LSU this season. Give us your perspective. You're, you know, the, the what would you be, the godfather of the 18 club? The Sure, I'll take that from Mock. I mean, Mock <laughs> lives in Denver. I mean, I'm boots on the ground here, yeah. so I'll take that. You're the, the COO of the, uh, of, of the group. <laughs> And uh, obviously, you're you're involved in that process. Yeah. In fact, I was with you and Jack the other day. At um, I don't I don't remember where we were. We bumped into each other in the facility, I think. And y'all were just kind of starting that conversation about 18. So, going from that um, that process of the conversation to obviously a new coach that right. you don't know what exactly what's going to happen with that tradition. But Coach Kelly has embraced it. And what's really interesting is he's kind of embraced it and then married it with his mm -hmm. the qualities that he looks for. So, your general thoughts on 18 and BJ Ojolari as well. Well, first off, I'd like to thank, I mean, Coach Kelly for continuing the tradition. In fact, on Saturday, I was able to be at the practice whenever BJ got the award to wear number 18, and I went to Coach Kelly after practice and just told him thank you. Like, that's not something he has to continue. Yep. Now, it's lasted through a couple of head coaches, but that doesn't mean that Brian Kelly has to continue the tradition. So, for me, it was important for me to go over and walk over and say, hey, thank you. Thank you for continuing this tradition. That means a lot to my family, but more importantly, it means a lot to the LSU family. So, it was, for me, it was, it was an honor to be able to be there and to see BJ's reaction because – he was on the short list, right? There's always a short list, and look, I, I think a lot of Give our Give us fans, the whole short list right now. <laughs> well, look, I think a lot of our fans can kind of name the short list sure. of three players. I mean, certainly when you go to SEC media days, that's that's you know usually a marker that you're a pretty good candidate yep. for number 18. And we, we know this. Like, it doesn't go 
to necessarily the best player. Like it goes to someone who embodies what it means to be an LSU Tiger on and off the field. That feels but, like an insult to be Joe Gillard. You just said that he's he's not a well, good player. I'm, I'm, that's I'm what get, I heard. I'm getting. That's there. what I heard. I'm getting I think, there. I, think our I am getting Nick there. Nick is smirking. I think I'm Nick getting there. Too. But that's not what it goes to. It goes to someone. Now certainly you have to be on the field, but it goes to someone that if you're out there in the wild, right, and you're representing LSU, be it a, a camera on you, no camera, a microphone, no microphones, whatever it is that the program can count on you to do things the right way, right? That's what wearing number 18, at least to me, that's what it means if you're an LSU Tiger and you get that honor. But when you get the rare occasion, when it goes to a special player, like a first-round talent, an All-American candidate, and you can have the qualities of wearing number 18 at LSU, like it's happened before. Like we could go to players, uh, uh, Trey White, like Shaq wearing the number. Like that is, of course, Shaq is – Trey White, not to be confused with uh, Shaquille O'Neal. He wore 33 here. I don't yes. know if you know that, Cody. But Trey I he was 18, too. Yeah, but well, he was the godfather he be an of the 18 club. Yeah. <laughs> but Shaq, Trey White, wearing that number, like, yeah, okay, well, that's an All-American. That's first-round pick. And sometimes it works out that way. I mean, and there's been great players that have worn it. I mean, a lot of guys still in the NFL, Foster Morrow, Louis Cushenberry. We could go down the list. Caleb on chase on a first-round pick. It's so funny to think about Lloyd wearing it. He was 18. Like, yeah. he was 18. He just had the, the patch or whatever. Right. Um, but he's certainly a member of that club. Yeah, and so like there's been great players, but it doesn't always happen where it's that type of a talent, but you have it in this year with B.J. Ojolari. I mean, he is someone that is special. If you go back and you watch what he did a year ago, I love watching the bowl game. Now, the bowl game doesn't necessarily look like the LSU that we know, but watching B.J. Ojolari dominate that game and then have to see Kansas State game plan around that one player because of what he was doing, I love going back and watching stuff like that. So B.J., without question, he is somebody that deserved the honor. And by the way, man, we're, we're going to talk about it throughout today's podcast because it was a theme for me. There's some body types that changed out of practice. I don't yeah, know if you noticed yeah, that yeah. today, but I You're was talking sitting about my there, physique. Uh, not necessarily I, you. I put on a good five over the summer. It's been I, I didn't see few you. Too many, uh, few too many carbonated beverages. Hey, dude, the summertime's when you got to cut. Uh, I kind of do the opposite, right? Like okay. I kind of it's a bulk in the summer because I'm sitting on my butt drinking a lot of. Uh, carbonated beverages yeah. to use the 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 term no beer. see I'm drinking but a lot you're, of beer. you're about to be in front of the camera here yeah, it's like rough. weekly like you're supposed to cut yeah when I you get like november december is when you hibernate should have thought about that yeah that was, well you did bad bad planning on my part <laughs> jokes on you but then in the fall i get so busy that i just stop eating altogether okay. and then drop those five pounds yeah because that's, that's healthy yeah that's I'm the epitome of health. Okay, that's so right. that's, maybe that's we need to have this conversation now because you need to listen yes. to some of yes, it. Yes, I want to hear how these guys I was their sitting bodies. there with Jake Flint, and you know, Jake Flint is obviously the new strength and conditioning coach, and we were just talking about kind of their process because I was interested because, look, with Coach Moffitt, and you all know how I feel about Coach Moffitt, he was here for such a long time. Like, I did know his process. I understood what the conditioning test and all those things were, but I was just trying to learn kind of how they went about things, and I started to look around and – Combined with what you have now with the Nutrition Center, obviously you're able to watch every single meal. This staff, we know it's important. We know that they keep a daily questionnaire and and kind of a tab on exactly what you're putting in your body, what you're getting out of your workout, all those type of things. And you start to look around, and there's some guys that have gained weight. There's guys that have lost some weight. Certainly that's going to be the case on, on a football team. So I was impressed with some of the guys that we can get into, some of the guys that changed their body. But BJ was certainly one of those guys. And I don't know if it's because it's a wider number. I think so. But he looked a little bit bigger <laughs> yeah, than, 18 the, than he did. The, that 18 adds some good muscle, uh, <laughs> uh, as we all know. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. It's funny. You talk about the attention to detail that they have with the way that they treat their bodies. And when you go in the facility, they have the TV screens everywhere. And 
um, you know, the, some of them will say like the depth chart for like the punt unit, right? And some of them will say um, the Tiger standard where it sort of shows like um, they split them up in the SWAT teams and everyone that's above the line is listed above the line. Everyone that's below the line that's, you know, had an academic issue or missed a, you know, a tutoring session or whatever, they, they might be below the line. One, there's not that many guys, if any, below the line these days. Um, but one of the things they have is a – a uh, like a nutrition board I guess you could call it it's like a hydration board and they will track how many my highs somebody has drank how many bottles of water somebody has drank and you can kind of see like who the most hydrated guys on the team are and it's that level of attention and uh, attention to detail that is extremely new but facilitates yeah physical transformations um, so in some of these guys. You played college basketball, so I'm sure you Played seen, is okay. used liberally there. You were on a team I was. that I was on a team in college athletics. Yes. Fair enough? Fair, fair Division enough. Division one. Fair enough, yes. Okay. Yes. So you've probably seen this before. The way we used to track hydration was we used to have a chart, and depending on what color your urine was, that's how you yep. actually used to track yep. hydration. It's like, hey, if it was the color of the Hey Fight Podcast good. logo, not, not championship-level hydration. It is not good. So they have uh, advanced technology in finding out if you're hydrated or not. So we're up. Our studios are now in the uh, former – in 2018 when they were building football – or expanding football ops, the team moved into this, this hallway uh, in 2018. And the bathroom all the way at the end of the hall – still has that hydration no, chart all every single stall has that hydration chart so we all know if we're at championship level hydration as well wow we have gone into a depth of detail that you're not getting anywhere else uh, yeah. only only on hay fighting podcast talk about that physical transformation should you um, share share the chart though real quick before we move on share it like tag it along with the podcast so people I, can, I can get a, i will absolutely chart absolutely you know what okay. if you subscribe to lsu gold i will take a picture of that chart and i will post it and you can see it there and that's that's the only, that's the kind of quality content that that's you can right. only get on LSU Gold. Um, you talked about physical transformation. Who who are some of those guys that stood out? Because I I, I want to talk about that piece because when I was out there today, I noticed a similar thing. But I also want to talk about um, beyond the physical preparation because Coach Kelly talks about total preparation, right? He talks about the physical, the mental, the technical, and the tactical. And I got a different vibe at practice today. Um, based on where they are in that process. The physical piece really takes place in the summer. That's yeah. when the transformation takes place. And I'm curious, when you go out there and you see some of those guys, besides BJ wearing the 18, um, who, who else looks like they've sort of transformed their body, changed their body? I think the guy that stood out the most was Anthony Bradford. Hmm. Now, Anthony Bradford is a very talented player. I mean, high-rated recruit coming in to LSU, and we have seen him on the field in an LSU uniform. He missed spring this year, so you, you don't forget about them, but they kind of go to the back of your mind because when you're breaking down a spring roster, you're like, okay, well, who's actually out there at spring practice? He wasn't there, so you kind of put him in the back of your mind and you don't kind of slot him maybe on the depth chart. But I went out there on Saturday, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's why he was rated as high as he was coming into LSU. Mm -hmm. That's why he's actually been tabbed a starter a couple of different times in his LSU career, and his body yeah. just looked completely different. Now, he's always – he is just a big, massive human. It's never been where it's been out of control or anything, yeah. but you can tell, like, they have had a point of emphasis to tighten everything up and to get him – because he's athletic. Yeah, great That's feet. the thing. Even at his weight, he's always been an extremely athletic offensive lineman. So he stood out to me. 
And that's somebody that I think is going to compete for a job. Now, is it inside? Is it outside? I don't know. He's played both in his LSU career, but he stood out. Like when I walked out there, I actually went and found the strength coach and I'm like, tell me about the process to get him to look like that. Yeah. Yeah. You can tell it's made a difference. And he's been one of the guys that has really stood out in, in fall camp early. It's very, very early days right now. Yeah. Um, they're, they're not they're, early. You're weak. Hey, this is day seven. Yeah. That's, but that is the dog days of camp if you're a player. Yeah. To be fair, there, I, I think today they, they would certainly have the helmets and shoulder pads on. I couldn't, yeah. I don't think they had the, the lower body pads There's on. There's no point yet. having those, Cody. Yeah. So they're, they're not, it's not full on uh, football 24 seven yet uh, in terms of like, all holds barred and or no holds barred. Did and they have shoulder pads on? They did have shoulder pads. Did they on. have a helmet on? Yes, they had a helmet on. Hey, basketball player. Okay, sorry. Yep, you're right. I'm <laughs> I'm out of my depth here. I'm unqualified. That, I'm unqualified. That is to a football camp day. And I was standing over in the shade, like <laughs> like uh, just hanging out, like waving at all the guys, yeah. sweating. Um, so I'm completely unqualified. No, no but to Talk your point, front. all jokes aside, day seven, that is kind of a, okay. We're in this thing, and it's about to get real, to your point. Yeah, so I want to talk about that. So it goes back to what I was talking about. We talked about the physical. Um, they get into the, the, the mental preparation. We've heard a lot of conversation about, about that during the, the camp. There's been talk about the mental performance coach they brought in this, this, uh, this summer to work on their mental skills, and that's certainly something they emphasize on a daily basis. They're doing the daily check-ins. There's a lot of right. mental pieces that go into it. I think Coach Kelly had a great quote in his, uh, his, his camp press conference where he talked about – you know, the, the brain is like a muscle. You have to work it and train it like a muscle. Um, but now they're kind of – I, when I was watching practice today, I could tell that a couple things stood out that are, are different from years past. Mm-hmm. One was the efficiency of the whole operation. Um, I don't think LSU was ever, like, super – when I was out there, inefficient in the past. I don't think that's ever been an issue. But this was really snapping. Like, guys were um, – you know, the way that – just as simple as this. Like, if there was a, a drill where quarterbacks were working handoffs with running backs, you kind of have two groups going instead of one. And then one group would go and the coaches would watch it. And as soon as that group was done, the next group was going. Yeah. And then the coach would just turn his head. And it was just constant back and forth, back and forth. And so the reps, you think about – and one of the things in fall camp is how many reps can we get in. Mm-hmm. And they're just getting so many more reps because everything's efficient and popping. And there's not a whole lot of yelling, like, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. They're, they're just there. They've kind of set the tempo, set the pace. So that's one of the things that really stood out to me. And then the other thing was certainly it was a physical practice, and there were physical moments. But it was, it was, um, it was so strategic when the physicality took place. It felt like the practice really built up um, from the real technical details to the broader team concept, and you could kind of see they're working their their minds as much as their bodies, and it's sort of built up to the the sort of scrimmage live action at the end, and that's when it it got physical and it was intense, and so it was sort of like a a symphony, right? Like it sort of built up slowly, and then by the end it hit the crescendo, and it was just uh, full on contact intensity both sides, coaches screaming and yelling, um, but it just that that efficiency and that tempo, you could kind of feel it and see it, and it, and it felt different. I don't know if you've ever had a, a chance or an opportunity to go to like to a Saints practice or anything. I haven't. I was okay. gonna. The, the comparison I was gonna make was yeah. it felt like a professional practice. Yeah. I just haven't seen a professional right. practice. That's what it felt like. Yeah, same thing for me on Saturday when I went out there. I mean, it was efficient, like you said. There was not a lot of wasted time. There's not a lot of standing around. There's no point in having one group and we can roll two groups at a time. There's one drill that's like organized chaos where there was like just balls going everywhere quarterbacks were throwing to receivers tight ends backs and they knew what they were doing but I had no idea what was going on because they want to be efficient with their time I think the practice it was under two hours yeah right and so that is a professional model 
North Turner used to always tell us we're not repeating plays. Hmm. If I have to scream repeat, do you think the Steelers are going to allow us to repeat it on Sunday? No, they're not. So if we need to repeat it that many times, it doesn't need to be part of our process. And you kind of have that feel. They have a, a point of emphasis that they want to get done every day. They want to do it under two hours. They want to be efficient with their time. And it's also a quiet practice. And I mean that in a positive manner. Right, because they are trying to get everything done. They're not trying to scream, yell, drive you into the dirt. They want you to get your stuff uh, stuff done, and they want to treat you like uh, someone who can handle whatever they put in front of yeah. you. And so, look, and, and when, look, when they had to coach you, they coached you. I'm not of course. saying that there wasn't some, um, you know, there's a lot of NSFW content out there yes. for sure. Coaches yes. screaming at coaches, coaches screaming at players, right. but not screaming for no reason. Not screaming for no reason, and everything felt intentional and deliberate and yeah. targeted so for example I'm not going to name names but there was one coach who yelled at another coach and they kind of it kind of was a repeated thing like one play next play next play next play there was clearly some emphasis there mm -hmm. of I need better performance from this group right and so this is how I'm going to get it out of you and it was very um, intense but very controlled and professional and yeah. didn't cross that line and it elevated the performance of, of that particular group. So that, that was what I, what I felt like. And, you know, I, I was just asking a few other people. It seems like the energy is higher. It seems like the, I don't know how to say this other than this, the, the vibes are, are a little bit better. Like there's just. Immaculate? And, yeah, a, like immaculate vibes. Yeah. Uh, immaculate vibes. But, that, of course, that makes sense when you look back at the last two seasons when you have a COVID season where it's just a chaotic season. Last year, you're sub-500 by the end of the year. The vibes are not going to be immaculate when that's going on. Uh, but it seems like they've kind of – all the things that they wanted to do in the spring, they got accomplished so that now in the fall they could sort of take off from there. And it's not a – it's not a zero to 60 in 2.8 seconds. They're kind of revving up that engine. Yeah. And that's why, to go back to the joke that we had – it does feel like um, while day seven is the dog days of camp, they've kind of built up to this point. And so guys aren't dragging around. There's a lot – there's – you know, typically I remember going in there last year and there was just so many guys not able to practice, right? It's a pretty healthy team right now. And, look, some of that's controllable, some of it's not. Um, but it's a pretty healthy team. There's good energy, good vibes, and uh, just a productive uh, productive practice. Plus, and maybe some of this – I don't know. They're, they're practicing in the morning today. Like, it's, it's different. It's a different uh, – a different approach. So out there, a few different individuals or position groups stood out to me uh, before I get into mine, wondering from what you've seen, any individuals or position groups that have popped in the, in the practices that you've watched. So on Saturday was the offensive line for me. Good. And Cause and I wanted to talk about the offensive well, good. line. Well, good. There we go. Perfect. I mean, we are aligned we didn't even plan well. that. We did not. So synergy, immaculate vibes. All right. So it's all starting over on the offensive line. Like, you had the same offensive line for a very long time. Yeah. I mean, Ed Ingram and Austin Deculus played yeah. a ton of games here at LSU. They played a ton of games together. And so you're kind of hitting reset. I mean, when you look at Shanahan, like, he played for two straight years yep. at center. So, like, you're starting over at every position, and you're starting to see, okay, well, how's that going to work out as far as the chemistry? You're going to have a true freshman play left tackle. You're going to have some transfers that came in. Right tackle, it's probably going to be somebody that's been here in the past, but – like even going back to the center position, like you've got guys that have been here in the past, but they just haven't played really a starting role and they haven't played together. So you're trying to figure out how that chemistry is going to come together. 
But it's a group that when I went out there, again, talking about Anthony Bradford and others, you can tell there's been a change in their body. Okay, well, that's only half the battle. What are you going to do once you get out there? And I actually thought that the chemistry of the offensive line, considering they haven't played a lot of snaps together, it gave me more hope in that position because complete disclosure, I'm wondering, okay, what's this going to look like? Like you've got players that have been really good in other spots. Like, you know, we have seen Traymond Shorts against, you know, Vanderbilt last year when they, East Tennessee State played them. Like, we have seen that. We've seen them in the SEC in one game. Like, what's it going to be for a full slate of games? We have seen certainly Miles Frazier be a freshman All-American. Okay, well, how's that going to transition from FIU to LSU? And you're starting to see it click for guys like that. So a position that, I'll be honest with you, I probably have bigger question marks than any. They're not fully answered right now. As you mentioned, we're only, you know, getting into day seven of camp, but you feel good about where that direction is. You've got some guys cross-training as well, which I'm a big fan of, certainly in the interior. Maybe not on the exterior of the offensive line, but interior-wise, if you can get guys that are going to play left guard, center, right guard, and they can do it all, I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, Mike Denbrock spoke to the media, uh, I believe yesterday at this point, and it was early this week. He talked about the offensive line still being in flux, like they're still moving some pieces around. And I think that's the plan the first week of camp, first 10 days of camp to get a feel for it. So when you go back and look at some of the practice reports that have been in the media, um, like one day you had Will Campbell at left tackle, you had Shorts at left guard, Dellinger at center, Frazier at right guard, Bradford at right tackle. One day you had Charles Turner at center, you had Cardell Thomas at right guard, you had Cam Wire at right tackle. So they're, they're, they're still probably trying to find that best five. But when I watched the offensive line today, what I felt was this is a unit that's only going to get better. This is a group that once they find that five and they get comfortable in their spots, versatility is a great skill set to have. It's invaluable at times, but you also want specificity when it comes to training that position, getting comfortable with that position, dominating that position. So they're going to balance those things early as they cross train and move in guys from ones to twos. But a guy that stood out to me so far is Garrett Dellinger, not because of his necessarily his performance, dominating performance or anything like that. Um, just the fact that he's moving to center as a guy that, uh, as a freshman, we talked about a lot last year, graded out really highly in some in some games for LSU. Playing tackle has the feet to be a tackle, but you move a guy to center, you're putting some some cognitive trust in him. You're you're giving him the. The, the control of the checks at the, the yeah. line of scrimmage and the calls. And he's a guy that I think can really fit that skill set. So I, he, him at center pop, and then the fact we've glossed over it twice now, but we've said it uh, twice, Will Campbell at left tackle. You're just putting a freshman in there at left tackle and saying that's yours. And that's, I mean, yeah. is that the two most important positions on your offensive line is probably center and left tackle um, if, you're, if you're prioritizing them. And then one, you've got a youngish guy that played some last year and got his feet wet at a different position but moves inside and has some – um, some more pressure on his shoulders now but then you got a true freshman from the 318 that steps in and yeah. it's like all right big boy it's your it's your spot hold on to it and from what I've seen no no issues there with him holding on to it now is he going to have freshman growing pains sure Every, all of them do um, but when you think about not only where he starts how good he is right now but how good is he going to be in f three games right. four games five games into season now you're looking at an offensive line that starts at one level, and we'll see how they do. But by the end of the season, could be really peaking into form, which is kind of how it went with Brad Davis last year as he found his best yeah. combinations. If they can do that sooner this year, it has a chance to be a good group for LSU. It is wild that of the offensive linemen, I mean, Will Campbell, just by how old he is, has the least amount of experience. But we're kind of like, 
Okay, I think we feel the best about throwing him out there at left He's special. Tackle. He's different. He is. I mean, I, I said it last week on the podcast. I think he's the best offensive lineman since Andrew Whitworth to play at LSU, and he hasn't played a snap, but I still believe that. And I think he's going to have, like you mentioned, moments where, okay, maybe he is a freshman, but there's going to be way more moments where you don't even recognize him, and that is, as a left tackle, that's what you want. You know what he's got, and this is rare for an offensive lineman? He's got swag. Like he's yeah. got. He's got. It's not. It's not rare for an offensive lineman. I'm going to get crushed by an offensive lineman when I walk in the no, facility hey, next I time. No, hey, I mean, come on, guys. I mean, it's not. Rare. He's got a presence about him that. Not a lot of offensive linemen that got a ton of swag out there. Okay, like I played fullback. You, I you get said it. it, not me. Actually, I kind of technically did say it, yeah. but you said it more than I did. So if you're an offensive lineman and you're listening to this podcast, take it out on him, not me. Hey, Will Campbell did tell T. Bob and I on off the bench. I'm the swaggiest offensive lineman Did in the he? country. I didn't even know that. I mean, look at that. We, we've got synergy. He has a presence about him. He's got a, a confidence that exudes from him. And the only thing that I can compare it to, because it's the only thing that I can compare anything to on this podcast, is when you watch a, a game of soccer and you just see that player, you're like, yeah. that guy's different. Like, yeah. He gets the ball. He's not giving it away. Will Campbell has that same energy of he gets his matchup. He's going to yeah. take care of his business. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be perfect this year. I'm not saying he's going to be – First team All American, be great if he was, but he has that innate trait, and for him to just hold down that left tackle spot, and we'll see, we'll see if he makes it through camp and holds onto it the whole way. But for for him to have that trust from day one, if he can fulfill it throughout the entire camp, that's uh, it's going to bode well not only for LSU right now but LSU in the future. Yeah, no, you also mentioned Garrett there at center. I like some good Midwestern grit right there in the mm-hmm. middle of the offensive line. I mean, if you see him walking on campus, like. That's an offensive line. Yep. And nothing against the other people competing at that position because I think that is a true position battle. But just going back, you mentioned it. We watched him on Pro Football Focus last year. We watched the tape. He graded out very highly as far as the opportunities he got. And that was at left tackle. Imagine having left tackle feet at the center position. Yeah. I mean, and we've seen that transition before at LSU with Ethan Postich was a guy that played some yeah. tackle, moved inside. Um, Lloyd was a guy that was a guard for a while, moved inside. Like they've – They've moved guys from outside to in, and you know a lot of times you build an offensive line, you think you build it from left tackle, and then you kind of go around from there. But some people say you build it from the inside out, and you kind of build that that center as the core, um, and that's huge. So it was it was kind of fun to to watch that offensive line um, develop. Another group that kind of stood out for me watching today was was the secondary actually, and I think we expected the safety depth, um, and you kind of look at the guys they run out there, and you look at. You know, Major Burns looks like he's healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you look at Joe Fouché coming in from Arkansas. He's big. He's physical. Uh, a guy that we didn't mention earlier talking about body transformation. I don't know if you saw this or not. Jay Ward. Like, he looks – Jay Ward used to look like the lanky guy running yeah. around, like the corner that moved to safety. He looks like a safety now. Like he's Jay Ward's probably the player that – and I'm not just talking about here on this podcast. We're only two episodes in, but just across – you know, shows or whatever platforms that cover LSU football, Jay Ward's the guy that doesn't get talked about enough. Yeah. Jay Ward has been the best player in the secondary times in his LSU career. Jay Ward is somebody that I think very fortunate for LSU football that he's back and he's going to be a starter at, at the um, the safety position because, man, he's played some great, great football. He goes out against UCLA last year. The entire dynamic of that game changed. Yep. I think he is is poised for a big year solidifying at safety but the good thing is that there's versatility there so you can move him around you've got depth another guy didn't mention Derek Davis um, is back there at safety looks good and then you've got some versatility inside Sage Ryan can play in the nickel for you Greg Brooks um, another Arkansas transfer made some plays today when I was out there looks um, looks 
Tyron Matthew-esque if you're looking at the um, the prototype of the player. I'm not saying the productivity of the player, but in, t- in terms of the prototype, a guy that's – Greg, s- if you want to go ahead and though and you want to be Tyron here in 2022, <laughs> I'll co-sign. No, 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 no pressure or Just anything. if you want to, though. No pressure or anything. But he, he's got that, that build, that makeup, that demeanor to kind of be yeah. a pest in the, in the backfield, likes to – likes to get physical corner remains to be the the one question I guess and yeah. it's more of how is it going to play out um you've got Bernard Converse who's kind of that big physical corner you got Makai Garner who kind of fits in that mold as well um the, the McNeese uh, state transfer at Jalen Davis Robinson I believe um has been getting some reps yeah. out there and, and and giving some um some productivity at at corner they've got and then seven banks I think we'll, we'll see how he fits into it too he's a guy with a really high upside um, I think you have probably more answers at safety. You kind of know where those guys fit, how they fit together. Um, corner, you may have some more questions right now as how they fit together and what order they're in. But the talent is there. And the reason I brought them up is because today when they kind of went live, the defense was winning a lot of the, the one-on-one matchups and a lot of PBUs, a lot of uh, physical coverage. They were in the right place. The offense was having some trouble at times, um, clicking on all cylinders in the passing game. Um, in the little specific segment that I watched. And so it, it made me kind of look at the defense in a different light and say, hey, maybe this maybe this defense is um, going to be more ready day one than I thought. It was a sound defense when I was out there and I was watching it. There wasn't a lot of misassignments. And yep. we have seen times over the last couple of seasons True. there's been yep. some defensive issues as far as communication, you know, everybody playing the same coverage. We've had some guys playing road coverage where they weren't playing the same one as the rest <laughs> of the defense and I don't know if you had a chance to really like kind of watch Matt House but I was watching him on Saturday and I don't want to tell what position but there was one position that they had a misassignment and he warned them and then they go back in and they have another misassignment and he's like give me another one hey he's like we are going to line up right and we are going to play the call and we are going to respect the call and we're going to play the coverage that you know all it goes through the whole list I'm like yeah because it doesn't matter how talented you are if you can't line up and you can't play what's called, then that talent goes away, right? There's no point in being talented in there. So I I really appreciated his coaching style because it's also a lesson. Like you're not giving up on that player. You're coaching that player to know, hey, if you don't get in your playbook, now you're talented. That's why you're here before the other guy. That's why you're out here first. But if you don't play the right call, then we're going to get somebody else in there. And it was a teaching moment. And then he went over, he talked to the player, told him, why he had to pull him out of the play, right? And I'm like, oh, man, I love that style. That, yep. That's a style that I've been coached like before in my career, and I think that's the right way. So I was, I was enjoying watching him coach the defense on Saturday. It's a thing that I think is consistent across sports. It's not just football. But you can tell when a team is well coached. Mm-hmm. You just – whether it's soccer, like we're watching all the time, um, whether it's a basketball team. I can team. tell you about – Poorly coached soccer teams. <laughs> I can too. <laughs> you over the to. past I couple can, years, it, I, I think that we should have like a some kind of. Uh, I shouldn't say drinking game. We want to promote responsible, uh, healthy habits. Well, you didn't some say kind what of, we were drinking. Some Capri kind of, Suns. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Powerade. Um, that. Whatever, whatever uh, your drink of choice is, we should have some kind of challenge on how many times I make a soccer reference. But Arsenal, the team that I like, had a poorly coached team for a couple of years. Brought in a much more tactical coach. And you could see the transition from poorly coached to well coached, and uh, you know it's 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 there's a clear difference between uh, a certain level of coaching and then that really really well coached, well oiled machine. I'm curious to see if that's what LSU looks like when the lights come on, because mm-hmm. when in practice right now that's what they look like. But in practice, everybody's a superstar and everybody's an all American, and um, it's got to translate over into the game. But 
the things that I've seen, that's really what stood out um, as they've, we talked about the physical transformation, but the mental transformation, the total preparation of the program. And then just some of these individuals that are, that are starting to pop a little bit. I think the last thing is we have to touch on it. We're gonna have to touch on it every episode is the quarterback spot. It's the question everyone wants to know. What's going on there? Uh, Nothing much really. They're just kind of out there hanging out, chilling, doing their thing. Um, And I think the way that I want to continue to evaluate it, and and you've seen the media reports, they're talking, again, take all this with a grain of salt. The order in which people go in drills sometimes reflects depth chart, sometimes it doesn't. Um, We're not here to speculate on who the starter is going to be. Guess what? Guess what? Breaking news. The first game of the season, somebody's going to run out there and he's going to be the starter. And we're all going to know at that point, okay? And I'm sure before that, the coach will name a starter. Yeah. So there's no need to, like, get get ahead and figure out, like, oh, I, it, sources say that this well, guy's going to be the starter. Yeah, like, there's it's there's a lot to happen there. And eventually someone will be named the quarterback and we'll get – so I know that there's, like, an intrigue to the quarterback battle, but, like, just pump the brakes on it for a second and just evaluate the guys for what they are. Um, I haven't seen enough to say much of anything about it other than – you can kind of see what each guy fits, and we talked about that last week where uh, the comparison you made with, with Nuss was Ian Book, yeah. right? Um, we know what Miles is. We've seen Miles. Actually, we should know what Jaden Daniels is too because he's played for three seasons. So we kind of know who these guys are, but the things that I'm looking for um, more than that is, one, just how consistently are they throwing the ball um, with Zip. Walker Howard has looked really good. He made three or four throws today that I was like, that kid's red shirt. And like, that kid's really yeah. good too. Like You could put him in there as well and he'd be just fine um but it's more how they're interacting with their teammates and i'll say this miles brennan super engaged locked in patting guys on the back interacting with quarterbacks yeah. like if he is the third string guy right now and maybe he is maybe he is i don't know his interaction with the teammates you wouldn't know like right. he is acting like he is a starter and same with same with nussmeyer same with Jaden daniels one point today uh Jaden and Kayshawn were working on something they kind of a little bit off. I think there was still a completion, but it wasn't kind of where Kayshawn wanted it. They stepped to the side. They yeah. talked through it. Like, these are the things that happen in a fall camp as a quarterback battle unfolds. They get you ready for the season. And then the last thing I'll say is you're going to need more than one. And I don't mean that in the sense of um, you have two quarterbacks, you have none. I mean that in college football today with injuries, with illness, with whatever, at some point – you're going to need depth. You cannot survive a full season unless you have Joe Burrow reincarnated with just one guy. At some point, the chances are you're going to need at least one other guy, if not multiple guys. So it's very, very early days. I don't know if you have any quarterback observations, but um, the one I feel very good about whoever gets the nod because he'll have emerged from a very talented room. Yeah, I don't know what day they're going to knock it from three to two, two to one. Like, we don't know that. And we've caught up with Coach Dimbrock about it. And he's like, look, I, I want to do it as soon as I can. Like, yeah. I want to be And able. they haven't done that yet from what no, I No, they say. have not. They have not. Certainly the day I went out there, they have not. I mean, everybody's still getting the same rotation with all of the starters. But there's going to come a point whenever that does happen. Is it going to be the first scrimmage? Is it going to be the second scrimmage? Like, we don't know that. Is there a, is there a timeline? Coach Denbrock kind of told us, like, on off the bench, like, there really wasn't. Like, he'll know when, when he knows, and then they'll name a starting quarterback. And so, I think once you get to this weekend, you'll start to see, you know, players separate themselves. And then once you get into a scrimmage uh, situation, certainly they're going to separate themselves. And so, I would be shocked if there's something before even the next time that we do this podcast. Maybe. Maybe there's some news. Maybe they go down to two. I don't know that, but I still would be – Surprise! I mean, even if 
like it's not vocal. Even if it's behind closed doors, I still I think would be surprised if they made a decision because you still have, you know, a month before your opener. Yeah, and look, it's a fall camp is a grind. It is a long road until that opener. And uh, if you're going on a long road, you know who you should hit, hit up with? It's Marathon. Marathon Petroleum. They'll get you the most out of your drive. I was so close to sticking that landing. I was about to nail it. I'm sorry, Marathon. I was about to give you like the sweetest, most seamless transition, and uh, I didn't have enough gas in the tank. If I'd have gone to Marathon before, I would have, and I would have uh, had a better ad read. So I, ap- I apologize for that. Even there, getting out, I couldn't uh, I couldn't do it, Hester. The, the dog days of fall camp, are getting to me. I'm hey, coming to pieces. you're running on empty, but they're always full. <laughs> that's, that's right. A pro. This is a pro right here in Jacob Hester. Uh, we'll get him back next week. We'll break down more fall camp. We'll have plenty more to break down and discuss. Then we're going to hear from Coach Kelly again. We're going to hear from Matt House. We're going to hear from a bunch of players. In fact, they're talking to the media right now. Uh, so we'll have all that to discuss and more next time on Hate Fight Podcast. Like nights of old, we fight the whole the glory of the purple and gold. Come on, you tigers. I said, fight, fight, fight.